Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. Hi everyone, I'm Jenny and this is Hyphenated, the podcast about living in the hyphen. And we are here again with the incredible, informative, just all around amazing Dr. Stacy Delin. Welcome back to Hyphenated. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I wish I could, we could like meet in better circumstances. I think last time I was on, we were talking about COVID. <gasps> now, yeah. now we're talking about the laws of reproductive rights. It's, you know, it's never, never great. So one of these days I'll come on and just talk about good news, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be great. It definitely <laughs> seems like we can't catch a break these days. Yeah. Like as a comedian, as an online comedian, it's very prominent to you because it's like your whole livelihood is about putting out comedy videos. And I've lost count how many times, especially since COVID started, yeah. that I've had to stop putting out content out of respect for the right. terrible things happening in this country. <laughs> yeah, well, what's that saying? Like, comedy equals tragedy plus time. And we're like, we just haven't had enough time yet. Yeah. We're still in the tragedy zone. <laughs> in case our audience didn't get to check out our last interview regarding COVID, tell our audience about yourself and and what you do. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm Dr. Stacey Dillon. I am an associate medical director um, at Planned Parenthood Hudson Peconic. Um, I've been a physician for about 10 years. And, um, you know, I spoke with you on the podcast before about COVID. I try to combat COVID misinformation online as, you know, in our own clinics, we've had to help keep our patients and uh, our staff safe. Um, but the bread and butter, the stuff I do all day is work um, in gynecology and reproductive health care. So that's a, a big part of my job and also an area, you know, that's worth talking about right now since it's been a lot yes. of news. Yes, you were actually one of the first people I thought about when Roe was overturned. Yeah, um, I got a lot of texts that day. A lot of, a lot of texts. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah, because you've done so much work in this department. And then for this to happen when we were both born in a Roe v. Wade, you know, timeline where we thought, oh, we're safe, we're good, you know, and I never thought I'd see this happen. Right. Granted, I think we all kind of saw it coming, like a very something wicked this way comes. Right. When uh, certain people got elected. Mm -hmm. So I want to I want to start this conversation by admitting to the fact that I am not so much in this moment, but leading up to this conversation with you, I was feeling quite nervous because I 
was born and raised Catholic at my private Catholic high school. We barely had a good sex education. It was just don't abort. Like that's I just remember that. Like I just remember the banana condom thing and <laughs> and and laughing about vast deference or whatever the fuck is in testicles and then <laughs> You're good. That sounds good. You clearly retained some information. Yes, I did. It's super important information. And all of us just giggling about balls and then don't abort, don't abort. To the point that they would have like posters all over the walls at one point. I remember in the hallways of like really graphic abortion um like fetuses and i'm someone who can't even look at a photo of my own colonoscopy i think the human body is vastly <laughs> disgusting and i so it was I a lot as a child it was a lot it, i i couldn't even dissect a frog in school right. so like i'm yeah. just like can we not do this i'm yeah 16 years old yeah and on top of that because of my content you know a lot of my content resonates with cuban americans and a lot, and, and you know, it's multi generational. But my older audience is tends to lean more conservative and very Catholic and very religious and very much pro life. Mm -hmm. And so, I remember when Trump was elected in 2020. I went to the first women's march in Los Angeles, and at the time, I was still fairly new because it was 2016. And I remember I had just started making content on my own platforms. And I didn't really know my audience that well. And I thought it was okay to share a photo of me at the Women's March. Mm -hmm. And I was harassed. I even received death threats wow. by my own fans, by like older Latina women who went from being like a huge fan to like calling me all sorts of names. And it made me realize, oh my gosh, okay, what do I do? Um, <laughs> right. So even having this conversation, I'm just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Because I know in the same way politically that I feel like my conservative audience might see me as like some dirty commie piece mm -hmm. of shit for being a Democrat and a liberal. It's the same thing where they're like, baby killer. Mm -hmm. And I want to have this conversation with you because I really want everyone to know. But honestly, specifically, if any of my conservative folks are listening, and again, that doesn't mean there's a lot of conservatives that are actually pro-choice. Right. But this is for my pro-lifers out there who have a very narrow way of viewing abortion rights. <laughs> right. You know, I think what's really interesting is um, when I became an abortion provider and I knew that I was going to work for Planned Parenthood, you know, my grandmother is uh, devoutly Catholic, you know, and I wanted to speak to her about it. She and I are very close. Um, and so, you know, I talked to her and I thought that it might be like a tense or a difficult conversation. And she was very, very supportive hmm. of me working for Planned Parenthood. And I talked to her a little bit more about it. And she's in her 90s now. And she uh, very, very vividly remembers um, people in her community, um, you know, getting back alley abortions. And so, you know, I, she shared a story with me about one of her friends who like had to go into someone's kitchen late at night and the doctor would come to the kitchen to do the abortion and her friend survived, but she remember crying and, you know, not uh, wondering that she was, you know, whether or not she was going to survive. And, um, you know, uh, it, it was through that conversation that, you know, she was just like, you know, the, the church says what it says, but I, I don't want women to die. And it was really as simple as that for it. And I think that maybe because we've always had, um, access to abortion in this country, people haven't seen their friends, you know, get sick or hurt or injured. 
um, from an unsafe abortion. And so I think that, um, sadly, you know, I, I wonder if it will be a human issue that it'll start to, um, that it'll, people will start to understand this as a health issue, you know, truly nothing more that it's about, you know, bodily autonomy and patients being able to stay safe, healthy and alive. And the truth is that so many people in this country have had an abortion, but because it's so stigmatized, you know, I can tell you that a lot of the people that you know, mm-hmm. who may be anti-abortion may have had abortions themselves. Mm-hmm. They definitely, definitely know someone who has had an abortion, but that person hasn't shared it with them. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think that very tragically, we're going to see this brought back into the open where it's going to be harder to stigmatize this as something dangerous and terrible when you see the actual outcomes that happen to people when they don't have access to abortion. Yeah. I remember back when I was in high school, again, they would really drill into us how terrible abortions were and how it basically made you a murderer in the eyes of God. And I'll never forget one of my friends screaming bloody murder at her mother outside when she was picking her up. Her mother worked at my school. She was in the counseling department. And I guess her daughter found out that her mom had an abortion when she was younger. And that kind of sucked because now she's seeing her mom like some villain for having an abortion many years before she came into the world Mm -hmm. because of what was going on at school and what was being talked about. And so I remember that fight very vividly. Mm -hmm. And then I had a couple of girlfriends who had abortions in high school. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time, I do recall feeling a little judgmental, but it went away. It was weird. It's like for a second, I was like, should I be upset that they did this? Is this wrong? It's so interesting what you mentioned about the friend who was mad at her mother for having an abortion because the vast majority of, of um, people who have abortions are already parents. And yeah. you know, the main reason that they cite for having an abortion is because they really want to be able to take great care of the children that they have. Yes. They know they know all too well the, the incredible um, demands, the, the costs, all the things that are required to, you know, take care of a child to keep them healthy and safe. And so when faced with another pregnancy and a lack of resources, and let's be clear in this country, we do not have access to, you know, universal child leave, health care, all those things. Yes. You know, there are lots of people who choose abortion um, and it's an easier decision for them. But many of my patients grapple saying like, I, of course, I'd love to have another child. Um, I love the child that I have at home. But I'm not able to. I'm not able to support two children. I wouldn't be able to give either of them a good life. So it's a really, really thoughtful decision. So it's interesting. You know, I think mm-hmm. that your friend probably, you know, she was mad at her mother, but I'm sure her mother had had her in particular in yeah. mind and caring for her and wanting her to have a good life. I remember she did say that it was because her mother was very young and was mm-hmm. not ready, was not mm-hmm. ready to bring a life into this world. I don't even think it was with her father. It was from some random guy. Right. And not that this should matter. Ultimately, this is a person's choice with what they want to do with their body and the government should have no say on that. But it really is disheartening when people start like slut shaming and being like, well, people should just keep their legs closed. And it's really infuriating because besides the point that you just made, at the end of the day, if someone's not ready, they are not ready. Right. But also I've known many people who have had abortions due to ectopic pregnancies, Mm -hmm. due to health issues, due to rape due to even getting pregnant accidentally despite being on birth control. Sex education, first of all, in this country is freaking horrendous. (laughs) And so I didn't even know that taking antibiotics with birth control will render the birth control useless. And so I know a good number of people who had abortions 
because they still got pregnant despite being on the pill. For whatever reason, one of them was due to being on antibiotics and her own doctor didn't warn her. So I just hate this very narrow, slimy view of reasons why people need abortions or or get abortions. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. What I hear you saying too is like all of these varied reasons, like from lifestyle to, you know, from being young or, or being a victim of rape or incest or all these things. And then this broad medical thing, right? Like all these, all these medical indications like health of the mother, ectopic pregnancies, you know, dangerous pregnancy conditions. There are, there are hundreds of reasons for us to talk about. And each person weighs that decision for themselves and talks carefully with their doctor about it. Yes. And so to have a broad law that doesn't take any of these things into account, there's just no way that people, you know, that people are not severely injured by those decisions. And I think that's what's so frustrating is to, you know, have legislators interfering with a decision and considerations that should be absolutely made just by a person you know, in consultation with their doctor. Yeah, it infuriates me how hypocritical the pro-life movement truly is, because I'm sorry, how can you call yourself pro-life, but then force a 10-year-old rape victim to endure a pregnancy and give birth? And I mean, I see those cases, you know, all the time. You know, it, it's, oh an, and it's not something that we, you know, now you're hearing about them in the news because people aren't having access. But, you know, that's that's what we deal with. Like that some of the cases that I could tell you about that I see on a regular basis are, are absolutely heartbreaking. And abortion is the absolute kindest, safest decision, you know, that that patient can make for themselves. And I, you know, it's so, it's so terrifying to think of the fact that, you know, a, the, the government is interfering in those decisions. We've seen like a steady influx of patients over the last year from Texas, um, because Texas passed the six week ban there. And now it's just every Planned Parenthood that I know, every abortion provider that I know across the country is just gearing up to see how we deal with this influx of patients coming from all over the country, because these stories exist. These people um, have pregnancies that are that are dangerous or harmful, pregnancies that they don't want to have. And so, you know, you can make abortion illegal, but wanting to end a pregnancy will never be a thing that will happen. You know, people who don't want to be pregnant will find a way not to be pregnant. Yes, that's what I was about to go into. That's the end decision. Like that is when it comes down to the health issue is that you are not going to talk people into a pregnancy who don't want to be. And so the question is, are we able to provide that to them safely? And I think that that's what's so what's so upsetting is people think that that you'll stop abortion, but you won't stop abortion. You'll just stop safe access to it. Yes, which is very not pro-life. 
right. we're endangering more people this way. Right. So how how would you say things were? Obviously, we were both not alive during this time, but how were things before Roe versus Wade? I mean, one of the reasons that I became a, an abortion provider and went into this line of work was um, when I was in residency, I worked with um, a doctor who was much older, and it was one of my my first OBGYN rotations. I was on labor and delivery. And he had asked me about abortion training and I said that I was interested in it, but he said, you know, please, please do it. I try to talk to all the residents about it. And he told me stories of the things that he would see as a doctor working before Roe versus Wade. And I mean, it was absolute horror stories of women brought into the emergency room. And he said, you know, not enough doctors are doing this, not enough doctors are being trained. We really, really need, you know, good doctors to be able to provide access to abortion. So I trained to become an abortion provider and numerous older doctors have told me those stories and, and older people in my life have told me, you know, that the story is similar to what my grandmother uh, wow. told me. So, you know, I think it's very, very easy from a medical perspective for those of us who work as um, gynecologists or obstetricians or family practice doctors, we all understand that abortion is healthcare. It's just a part of the spectrum. And, you know, for some, some people might need it for medical reasons, for their personal life reasons, and it's a service that you have to provide or there will be dangerous outcomes that could happen. So there's no other really way in which a doctor has a legislator telling them how to practice medicine. The way that we learn to practice medicine is we go to our medical conferences, we talk to our patients about what their desires are, and we carry out that medical plan. Mm -hmm. So to have a politician in the exam room telling us what to do, it's enormously uh, upsetting and frustrating. And I think the strangest thing has just been with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, having the state that you live in dictate the care that you get and the access to health care that you receive. And so talking to my colleagues from across the country, trying to figure out how to get their patients care, you know, for the states who haven't outright banned it, many states have passed these really onerous restrictions, you know, yep. picking a, a certain number of weeks after which you can have an abortion often so early that it's before patients even know that they're pregnant. And so I don't think that there are many people out there who haven't considered whether or not they would need an abortion because something like that hasn't happened to them. And then it's been like a horrible wake up call for these patients who suddenly discover that they're not able to access abortion in their own state. And what it means is that, you know, patients who have access to travel out of state to get an abortion will. So they'll fly from Texas to New York or to Florida. Um, you know, they'll go help, have someone help them out with childcare. They'll get a hotel. They'll stay overnight. Um, you know, they'll do all the things that they need to do to access an abortion. But for patients who don't have the funds, um, you know, particularly, um, you know, people who are migrants, uh, black and brown people, um, people of lower income brackets don't have access, the ability to get childcare, to hop on a plane, to take a long drive, all of these things, it, it's not an option for them. And again, if they want to access an abortion, they'll find a way to, but we believe that patients should have access to their doctors when they want to make that decision. And doctors shouldn't be going to jail. Absolutely. Which is terrifying. And I know I know this is essentially the loophole that the Biden administration is trying to work with. What do you feel President Biden's recent executive order means? It's, you know, it's uh, unfortunately too little too late. Um, yep. I think, you know, I, I'm not a legal expert. So my understanding yeah. is that it does help to protect doctors in the states which are still allowing abortion uh, to be protected. And those things are important. Like, I'm really, really grateful that that the state that I practice in New York, um, and a few other states are passing all these protections for, you know, doctors 
to treat the patients who come to them, but it's not enough. You know, it's like I just said, it shouldn't just be protecting, you know, the patients who have the means to travel to New York to get that care. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's really frustrating and, and a lot more should have been done. And I think that myself and my colleagues have known that this is coming for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, years we've been talking about it and preparing for it. Although I do have to say, you know, intellectually knowing that it was coming and what was happening. I think the day that Roe versus got overturned was just an absolute gut punch. You know, everyone at work was crying. Um, we had colleagues whose clinics were just closing overnight. You know, I knew people in Texas who they had patients they had to send out that day um, and not able to provide them care. You know, it just that just the human impact of it has been yeah. has been so hard, so difficult to bear. And I think we're all just kind of doing the best we can. And I, I'm in this place where I'm so grateful to be able to, to treat the patients that reach me, but thinking about the patients who, who aren't able to reach me, it, it mm-hmm. really keeps me up at night. Um, and so oh, we need, man, I can't we imagine. need a, a lot more, a lot more to be done. Yeah. I also feel it's definitely a little too late. And I think what adds more salt to the wound here is the fact that this is happening during a time where there's so many shootings. Like between 2009 and 2019, there have been 180 school shootings. Um, And then in 2020, firearms replaced motor vehicle accidents as the number one cause of death among children in the U.S. So I will never understand the pro-life movement because they just seem to be obsessed with fetuses. But once the baby is uh, born... Fuck them. That's honestly, that's just how I view the pro-life movement. It's like, fuck them. Guns have more rights than you. Too bad. How sad. And it's just extremely disheartening. It's extremely hypocritical. I cannot understand why pro-lifers pat themselves on the back so hard. And then I'm also like, okay, there are roughly 400,000 children in the foster system. So you're so pro-life. Are you fostering? I think this is one thing that I think is really when I was um I don't I don't think I even realized it until I was in residency but I trained in New York City and you know I ended up working in some of the foster the large foster group homes you know I treated um, pregnant teenagers in those homes and I and I didn't really realize that there were orphanages like I, I think that it's a bit oh out God. of sight out of mind for people and so as a resident I provided healthcare to to pregnant teenagers who grew up within these, you know, foster group situations, essentially orphanages, and now had kids of their own. I mean, it's already a massive problem with with so many like kids that need homes. Um, so I think that there's a really false narrative that every child who is born will most certainly be adopted. But I mean, we have lots of studies and models to show us that in states that have re- restricted access to contraception and abortion, that uh, you just have much poorer health outcomes for both moms and children. And, you know, that's been studied even pre Roe versus Wade in, in states that limited Medicaid access, you know, didn't give access to contraception, had limitations and restrictions to abortion, difficult to access abortion clinics. States like Mississippi have this long history of really, really poor health outcomes for parents and kids. So I think that that's that's a piece that people really don't understand. It it seems to live somewhere in a fantasy world that, you know, I think I've seen the signs outside the abortion clinics that I've worked at with people saying, you know, we'll we'll help you. We'll take care of your your baby and those sorts of things. We'll adopt your baby. 
Right. Um, but, but I mean, by and large, often those centers will offer a couple packs of diapers and, and send you on your way. And call it a day. How convenient. And again, these are people who are yelling at the patients who are coming into our clinic, having thought very, very deeply about their decision. Yeah. And to, to you know, to, to just screaming at them. It's really tragic because, again, not a single person that I know who's had an abortion had an easy time making that decision. Yeah. And it's just really, I, I mean, I don't know. Disgusting is really the only word I can think about. I, I just get, it's, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's really bad. And it sucks when it's like people that you know, also, you're just like, hmm. Right, yeah. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. And I think that what's really interesting is that the vast majority of patients uh, who get abortions, by large numbers, are patients who get abortions uh, very early in the first trimester. You know, it's essentially yes. missed a period. Yes. Um, and so, you know, those um, those graphic images that they demonstrated in your Catholic school were probably doctored. They in no way indicate what happens during an abortion. And so, you know, I think that often they're they're asking these patients to then carry a pregnancy for nine months. And for all of my patients that I've cared for while pregnant and, you know, ask any friend of yours who's who's had a very desired pregnancy that's carried a pregnancy a term. Pregnancy is hard. It's really, really, you know, there's a lot of health risks of pregnancy. It's it's really, really difficult. So um, I think what was really upsetting to read in the Supreme Court decision was just, you know, they essentially used in the language just to go ahead and, you know, just have the baby and give it up for adoption. And just the total lack of bodily autonomy is frustrating. And I think, you know, in this country, you have to agree to donate an organ. Even after you, you, you're deceased, you're not allowed to give up your organs unless you've consented to it beforehand. So, you know, to say that because you are a person with a uterus, you no longer have bodily autonomy at the time that you become pregnant. It's, it's something that our society doesn't look at in other, any other ways. You know, you can never be forced to have go through any sort of endure any kind of medical thing that you don't want to. It's, it's your own body and your own choice. But specifically just for this issue of, of people who have uteruses, you know, it's being, it's being forced to carry a pregnancy to term, which is really, really difficult. Ask anybody you, you know who's ever oh my gosh. baby to term. <laughs> Right. I know. I mean, I know someone whose wife died after mm-hmm. giving birth to his twins recently. And yeah. especially black women statistically Absolutely. die the most during childbirth. Right. And it really um, gets me pissed because these same pro-lifers were the ones tossing shit around Target and Walmarts across America because they were forced to wear a mask and they had the my body, my choice signs. Right. And I'm like, OK, so you're going to compare 
wearing a piece of fabric on your face to pregnancy? Are you kidding me right now? Do you not see yourself? <laughs> it's important what you brought up about how, you know, black and brown uh, patients have significantly um, higher rates of maternal morbidity and mortality. Yes. And so, you know, forcing those groups who often don't have the means, like I said, to travel to other states to get abortion care when they need it, you know, it's absolutely going to lead to um, poor health outcomes and in some cases a loss of life for those patients. So it's again, it's hard to make that argument about being pro-life. But again, ask any doctor who's treated patients, you know, we understand these things and, you know, we're able to talk about risks and benefits with our patients in a way that, that they understand and that, and that they can use to uh, make that decision. So to take that decision out of their hands is just, uh, it's, it's gross and unfair. And the overturning of Roe versus Wade isn't just affecting people who can get pregnant. It's affecting other people who heavily rely on certain medications that they say can be used for abortion. And now it's <laughs> screwing over a percentage of the population who have certain medical conditions. Can you talk a little bit on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I've been reading these reports of, you know, patients who use drugs like methotrexate that is also used to treat ectopic pregnancies that are considered not safe in pregnancy that could cause an abortion. And doctors who work in these states sort of panicking and there's no clarity in the law as to whether or not if they administered a drug that was typically administered to this patient in order to help the patient stay healthy, if they could then be prosecuted in some way by, you know, potentially causing a miscarriage. And so I think, I think like all these issues like abortions, miscarriages, ectopic pregnancies, uh, they're, they're health issues and they're just not matters for the criminal justice system. But I think that patients, uh, doctors are all fearing arrest or prosecution because of the outcome of their, their pregnancy. The state legislatures are unable to understand how reproductive health works, like how any of these, these health matters tie into each other, how abortion procedures work. And it's just, you know, there's just so much confusion around all of this. So adding the threat of like civil and criminal penalties for pregnancy outcomes. It's just, it's obviously why like lawmakers, judges shouldn't be making these medical decisions. I think it's definitely not a simple topic, but to me, the simplest thing is if you don't agree with abortion, then don't have one. That's it. As someone who went to a Christian school her whole life, who was born and raised Catholic, I am through and through disgusted by people who hide behind God as an excuse. Because mm -hmm. to me, this is not very godlike. This is not very loving and empathetic and humane. And that is not the God I grew up learning about. Mm -hmm. They exhibit so much hatred. And I think that's why so many of us were severely affected. I, too, showed up to work that morning. I had to go to set and put a big old smile on my face and be cutesy patootsy and like everyone was crying. Yeah. It was a very traumatic and solemn day and I immediately started worrying about my friends in other states, mm -hmm. in red states, and I just, I don't know. I have, I have many thoughts running through my mind at once and I think <laughs> right. I'm never going to be able to make sense of it all. <laughs> I think the way you described, you know, if you don't, want an abortion, don't have one. That's the crux of choice, right? Yes, that's we your choice. We have the choice for ourselves to make that decision. And, you know, I certainly have uh, treated patients who have described to me how they don't believe in abortion. They believe that abortion is wrong, but they, they feel like they have to do this for their life right now. Like this has to be the decision they had to make. I've had colleagues who have recognized patients who have been on the picket lines outside of their clinic 
discreetly coming in for an abortion, you know, and I think that it just really, really well illustrates how until the choice is yours, you know, it's really hard to make that decision. And we definitely shouldn't try to make it for other people. And I definitely share your fear of, you know, friends who live in other states um, and anyone trying to interpret this information. You know, I've we've had patients who have come in in New York who have attempted self-induced abortions and come to us with complications because they read in the news that you couldn't get an abortion anymore. Oh, no. I as you know, I'm an expert in this medically, but I cannot keep up with the with the legal changes every day. You know, there's oh challenges in states. Every state's overturning. It's such it's such a hard and confusing time. So, you know, I do really want to recommend that anybody who's listening to this and doesn't know what's available in their state, just contact a Planned Parenthood near you, call them, you know, even in your state, if they don't provide abortion access, they can tell you where is a safe place to go. You know what, there's abortion funds out there that can help patients travel to a state where there is access to safe abortions. Um, but I but I do feel the same way that you do just concern for all the people in the country who are trying to navigate this. It, it's just like, you know, as you said, in the setting of so many other things being scary in this world. It's um, it's really hard to add this on top of it. But there are a lot of organizations and people really dedicated to continuing to help people get the get the healthcare that they need. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because it's super important information. Like it's it's something I didn't even think about of people in a state like New York who didn't understand the laws and thought it also mm-hmm. applied to them, and they tried to do their own abortion and could have potentially died or, you know, have really hurt themselves. I just want people to walk away with the thought of if you are truly pro-life, really think on that, really think on what it means to you to be pro-life. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, the story that my grandmother told is is really important. You know, it's just like she believed herself to be pro-life and really cared about the, the life of her friends and the people around her. She also was from an area when the Catholic Church said that birth control was absolutely forbidden. And she had expected to have many children. But after my mom, she had a cesarean section at the time. She was very, uh, she, it was, cesarean sections were not done too commonly then. And she nearly died from it. And after that, you know, she, she wanted to continue to be, to be a mother to my mom. And so she took birth control because, you know, these are the things that she needed to do to, to protect life, to protect her own life, to protect her daughter's life. And so I think that the term pro-life is a misnomer. I think what it actually is, is anti-choice. And I think that to be in the pro-choice category, I think that we are the pro-life category. We really believe in the values of people's lives and the value of them yep. to to make decisions about bo- their bodily autonomy and make the decisions that are best for them, the health of themselves and the health of their families. Thank you again so much, Dr. Stacy, for being here with us today and talking about yet another incredibly important topic that's affecting us as a society. Thanks for talking about this. I know it's a really difficult topic to talk about, especially yeah. when, when you face judgment about it in your life. But I hope that we can get through to people you know that you know in this way through listening to this podcast versus having to see something you know, difficult happen to themselves or someone they love. But we just got to keep talking about it. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a there's a movement called like Shout Your Abortion. It's, you know, a lot of people have had an abortion and it's important for, um, I know it's really hard. No one should have to share their story, but for the people who choose to, like it really helps to reduce stigma. Absolutely. Talking about, you know, the ways that an abortion saved people's lives and led them to be the people they are today or the parents that they are today. Um, Those are all really important stories. And there's millions and millions of those stories. Where can people follow you? 
Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at um, Stacy Delin underscore MD. And I just wanted to reiterate one more time, as someone who works for Planned Parenthood, that our doors remain open across the country. There is someone there to help you. Please uh, reach out to centers in your area for any questions that you have to help facilitate you finding access to safe care. We'll be here. Thank you so much, Dr. Stacy Delin. You are the best. Pleasure to be here. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego.